Hello to my AOWs, now known as my army of women. It is so nice to be with you for another podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about sleep. I haven't talked about sleep in a while, and I want to go over my sleep hygiene tips. Certainly, sleep is something that can be so disrupted in midlife, and there are lots of things that you can do starting tonight. So let's get into it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Evia. Evia is the first ever app that utilizes the science-backed technique of using hypnotherapy to effectively manage your hot flashes and night sweats naturally. Hypnotherapy is supported by NAMS, the North American Menopause Society, is a proven mechanism to calm the body's stress response to bothersome hot flashes. Now with the Evia app, that's simply E-V-I-A in the app store, you will learn to soothe both day and night symptoms without the use of medications. You'll be able to track and evaluate your symptoms and so much more. They have a core five-week program that is Dr. Hirsch approved for at-home support. Start your seven-day free trial at eviamenopause.com slash Heather, which is E-V-I-A-M-E-N-O-P-A-U-S-E dot com slash Heather, or check the link in the description to get started. All right. So I am really actually quite selfishly interested in talking about sleep and sleep hygiene in this week's episode um, because I haven't been sleeping all that well. And, you know, certainly there's this component of, oh, well, I'm going to be the sleep hygiene uh, podcaster for the week. I should have perfect sleep. And while I know all the right things to say, do as I say, not as I do. Um, But I do want to get into some of the sleep hygiene tips. This is a really important topic because this affects nearly everyone at some point in their life. And again, there are really actionable steps that you can start doing especially if you're thinking about, or you and your clinician are talking about, you know, medications or pharmacotherapy for sleep, you probably want to see if you can maximize all of those lifestyle things that you can do before you get to needing a medication. Now there's certainly nothing wrong with that. And there are many women that do this. I prescribe this and Certainly it can be for a season, but the reason knowing the lifestyle tips or what we'll call sleep hygiene Knowing what those are and how to use them is crucial because you should be doing those alongside using a medication, particularly if, you know, it's your goal to get off that medication at some point, which it probably is. So that's why I want to talk to you about sleep hygiene tips. Also, this is really interesting. Um, Most recently, I sat down with a statistician to look at some of my preliminary data that I've been collecting uh, knowingly, my patients knowingly, knowingly collecting data um, as my patients come into my clinic. And we looked at the chief complaint and a chief complaint is uh, in medical lingo, what the patient says they're coming in for. 
And so I have my patients very, very kindly fill out this intake form for me, which allows me to do two things, collect some data, but also make the visit go a little bit better, ideally, because they're giving me all this information up front. But out of 100 or 200 patients, actually 189 to be exact, the number one self-reported reason, reason for coming to see me as a menopause doctor was sleep, was sleep. And then right after that was hot flashes. So I think this is really particularly interesting because sleep is so disrupted in perimenopause and menopause. Now, why is this? Well, certainly there's a hormonal component. And as we go through perimenopause, our estrogen level starts to decline and our progesterone level starts to decline. In fact, we actually think, or there's some data to show that progesterone might decline first, and progesterone has some calming effects. So when progesterone is declining, that could be leading to some of the anxiety that we start to see. So there's a hormonal component. Then there's also symptoms of that hormonal component that are bothering you and hence causing sleep problems like hot flashes, night sweats, um, certainly mood changes, but heck, you could be worried about weight gain and a slowing metabolism, and that could be keeping you up at night, right? Also, there's an environmental component of midlife. And so the environment is constantly, you know, throwing challenges your way, whether it's kids getting driver's licenses or parents needing help and support, or that job that's demanding more of you since now you're the boss or all three of those things, this can also throw off your sleep because we tend to not be able to turn our freaking brains off. And that is exactly why I haven't been able to sleep very well lately. So as many of you know, I am working on writing a book and I'm so excited. I have a wonderful writer with me, uh, Stacey Colino, and we have been working our tails off in the last couple of weeks here uh, because our book is due really soon. But it's something that I've been thinking about constantly, um, you know, worrying about, are we putting in the right things? Are we leaving out the right things? You certainly, there's just so much that comes along with writing a book. But not only that, I, you know, just like I said, have multiple stressors. I have little kids and I have a partner and I have a demanding job and I'm trying to do all this research and looking at all that statistical data and it, it never seems to stop. So I want to go over my sleep hygiene tips and start with my best and first right off the bat. But before we do so, I want to acknowledge that I sound very congested. In fact, as I'm doing this, I feel very subconscious about this nasally sound. I even thought about stopping, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to persevere. Um, and you guys can let me know how obnoxious my congestion sounds later. All right. So I, I want to start off with the, the very first and most important thing you can do for sleep hygiene. And I've heard this from uh, multiple different doctors and where I first heard this and where it really stuck with me was uh, one of the sleep neurologists, I believe at the Ohio State University where um, I was when I first came out of fellowship training. And it's remove the TV from your bedroom. Yeah. Let it sink in. If it hurts, if you have a TV in your bedroom, let it sink in just take it all in. All right. Let's 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 hash this out. Let's talk about it. 
So the big reason we want to remove distractions from your room, and we're going to come back specifically to the TV, is that we want to keep your bed for sleeping and sex only. And and let's be totally honest, mostly sleep, right? Because 97% of the time you're there, I don't know, you're probably sleeping. So your bed should not be a place of lounging. It really, really shouldn't be. And this trains your brain, you know, every time you get into bed that you are going to sleep subconsciously or consciously. So a TV in your bedroom is super, super distracting. And a lot of people use TVs in one of three ways. Either they say, well, I've always kind of had it there. And I say, I know, but you're watching and they're using it. They're watching TV in there and they're watching movies in there. And that is exactly to the point that your brain kind of thinks that you hang out in your bed and you think about all these random things like, you know, from the comedy movie to the drama to like the stuff you see on 60 Minutes, true crime, whatever it might be that you like to watch. No judgments there. But you're thinking about all of these things when you're in your bed. And it's just a kind of a setup for the idea of I can't turn my brain off. And that's, that's what we're going to kind of keep coming back to. The second is, well, oh, I've always been lured to sleep by the DB. No, 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 no. There is no good data that you are sleeping well with the TV on in the background. And if it's lured you to sleep, this is kind of what I, I could give you tough love here, a maladaptive behavior to you not be able, being able to put your own self to sleep. So it luring you to sleep is a little bit of a, if it's a little bit of just, it's just false. It, it, it may lure you into sleep if getting yourself into a sleepy state and then actually falling asleep and hence turning your brain off is hard for you because you're hearing this random chatter in the background. And I, I will tell you right off the bat, I don't have a TV in my bedroom and I've never been lured to sleep by the sound of a TV. I can't even listen to music that has words in it. I can't listen to anything. So I'm going a little bit here off what people tell me. Uh, so it may lure you to fall asleep, but you're not getting good sleep while that TV is on. Your, your brain is still hearing things or hearing words or commercials, or maybe there's loud booms or bangs that actually do wake you up. So I do want to also challenge you that if you're someone who says, I lured to sleep by the sound of the TV to consider how maladaptive that actually has become. It will be hard for you to remove the TV. If you're the type type one who just likes to watch movies and stuff in their bed, it's just more of a convenience thing. So it might have actually be easier for you, but you just got to pull the plug. You got to just take it out of there. And it is absolutely okay to watch TV before bed. In fact, we're going to talk about that again when I say avoid screens, because you know I'm going to say that. But actually the TV is not so bad as screens. You just, it just can't be in your room for the same idea that we don't want you to do anything anything in your bed besides for sleep and sex. So I don't want you to pay bills in your bed. I don't want you to talk on the phone in your bed. We're going to get to that in a second. The third type of thing I see when it comes to having a TV in the room is like, oh, I don't, oh, my partner will kill me. Well, no, not sleeping is definitely going to reduce your overall lifespan in the days you are in this earth. Because actually, and this is absolutely true and why sleep is so crucial. We know sleep is crucial because when we don't get sleep, we feel terrible the next day. It causes shoddy metabolism. It can increase the risk for chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, dyslipidemia, um, other sleep disorders and depression right off the bat. But also women and men who live, who live the longest, sorry, sleep between seven and eight hours a night. So it's reducing your lifespan. 
Now, look, everyone's got to pick their poison, but <laughs> sleep is just so vital. It's such an important thing that if you're not watching it, but your partner is, then then it means you're either ending up watching a little bit in your bed or you hear it as you're falling asleep. And both of those are not good. So you really do kind of want to get your partner on this idea that like, look, I don't want to watch TV in the bedroom anymore. And sometimes you have to just say, I don't want that or I don't need that. And so th that's what I need to do, whether I need to move rooms or whatever it may be, or you need to move rooms or can you, you know, can we put a TV in the guest room and you can watch it in there because I want to do what I need to do for me if you have a partner. So that is number one. <sighs> I know it's taken a while to get through, but you've got to remove the TV from your bedroom. That is numero uno. And then what follows that is really the idea that your bed is for sleeping. So, you know, I don't want you to be on the phone in there. I don't want you to pay your bills in there. I don't want you to journal in your bed. It's hard. I do these things. Just like I said, I'm not perfect either, but I really try to get up in the morning and make my bed. That number one definitely keeps me from wanting to crawl back in it and do things there. And I have set up spaces in my house elsewhere that I find really comfortable for things like meditating, journaling, and doing work. If I'm talking on the phone, I'm usually trying to take a walk or get some exercise while I'm doing that, or I'm multitasking when I'm talking to a friend, but I don't want you to use your bed for anything other than primarily sleeping and secondarily sex. That's it. All right, <laughs> let's move on to slip, sleep hygiene tip number two, um, not ruminating in bed. So we're, I'm going to roll this into what happens if you wake up in the middle of the night anxious. So uh, you know, certainly the causes for sleep disturbances is a whole separate podcast. And I kind of alluded to some of those at the beginning, which is hormonal changes and just a very, very busy environment and all the stimuli that come along with, you know, having perimenopause and menopause and just where you are in your life at that time. So those things are not going to stop. They're never going to stop. And it's really how you learn to adapt to those issues because you have to protect your sleep at all costs. That is like the underlying, the underlying, um, you know, takeaway from this entire podcast. So let's go first with, if you wake up in the middle of the night and then you can't go back to sleep and you're worrying. So lots of women will wake up either because they've had a hot flash or maybe a pet's jumped in the bed, or it's been years of, you know, hearing children screaming or crying and then getting up. And then you hear something and you cannot fall back to sleep. You wake up having to urinate. You can't fall back to sleep and you start, you know, just your anxious meandering thoughts. So I want you to do a couple things. Remember, I said, I don't want you to do things in your bed other than sleep. So if you're worrying in your bed, that's something we got to stop. So the trick is to remember me telling you this when you start worrying in the middle of the night and get up out of your bed and go to another room and sit in a chair and read a fiction book. Or if you want to, another thing you can do, if the fiction book thing doesn't work for you, is get up out of your bed, go to another chair and write down the things that you are going to worry about tomorrow morning. And I want you to tell yourself that it's a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy that you're doing on yourself. You're saying, Heather, I cannot fix this chapter right now because it's nighttime, night, night time. But you know what? I can do this at 9am. And that makes me just feel like, okay, I just send it off to the world. 
So you can get up out of your bed, go to a chair, do not turn on your phone, do not grab your phone, don't look at your screen, just go to another room, get in a nice chair and read a book or write down a note to yourself. If you want a journal to kind of help work on a problem, you can, but that's a slippery slope. Now you can, if that helps you, just, I don't want you sitting in your bed for one or two hours worrying. Again, that change your brain that when you get in bed, you worry. So the same principle applies when you get into bed, you can't shut your brain off. We're going to talk about some things that you can do before to help you. But I have gone in the habit of repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly over years telling myself when I find myself thinking about a work thing, I'm like, I don't think about work at night. It's gotten to the point where I've gotten so good at it that I, I literally be like, Oh yeah, that's right. I know that sounds like crazy, but I don't think about work at night. And I've trained my brain that there is nothing I'm going to do to solve this problem. This isn't helpful at night and I'm going to do it tomorrow. And you know what I always do? I always say to women, have you ever solved a problem by worrying in bed? Literally never. It, it's, it's not helpful. So I've trained my brain when I realize, cause oftentimes you don't realize you're doing it, but I'll be like, Oh, I'm not thinking about work. I'm thinking about that email. I'm thinking about that patient. I don't do this at night. I have to protect my sleep at all costs. And that's my boundary. Okay. Let's talk about things that can help you get ready for bed because you've got to get out of that mindset that you just like go, 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 go to bed. It just doesn't, it, we all do it. You know, for me, it's like I'm working 24 seven. I'm working all day. My kids get home. I'm half the time working while I'm trying to feed them dinner. I'm like constantly working. It's addictive and it's a problem I have to solve myself. But, you know, and then I put them to bed and then I'm like, I got this one more thing to do. And then I'm just going to pop into bed and sleep. I, no, it's just like, no, it's not going to work like that. So there's a couple of things that you certainly want to try and do. You want to try and have a bedtime routine, just like you did for, if you had kids, you want to have a bedtime routine and you want to try and stick to this. You all probably have heard wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time, even on the weekends. Yeah, that's true. We're not going to make it a huge part of this podcast because you already know that, but what makes it actually stick is the routine part of it, because you're not just going to be like, Oh, I'm in the middle of something's nine o'clock, I'm going to bed. It's more helpful if you have a good routine at nighttime, that's going to be really helpful. So everyone's totally different on this one. For me, I do like to go downstairs once everyone's asleep and like check my fun messages. So fun messages are usually like inbox messages on Instagram. I know I said, don't use the phone, right? But this is what I do. And I'm being totally honest. Um, and kind of just look up some of the, like, I like to look up the weather for the next day. Um, I like to quickly see what the news is, but more like entertainment news. So we're talking light stuff. Um, and then sometimes I like to listen to a few, um, to music and I also do a nighttime meditation, which I do on my Peloton app. You can download the Peloton app or any guided meditation. There's tons of apps out there. There's the calm app. There's there's so many good ones that you can do before bed, but you've got to do something to set yourself up for bed. You cannot just catapult from one activity and jump into bed and expect that your body's just going to catch up. It's just not. You've got to like give yourself some respect, give your brain some darn respect of all the things you've just made it do because you can't just, it's not a light switch. It's not going to turn off, but if you practice these things night after night, day after day is going to help you actually be able to turn off the light switch. 
I'm almost always reading a book and I find this very, very, very soothing and helpful. So if you're not a reader, maybe another thing you can do is color. Um, and, and I've been dabbling with a little bit of both. So after I look at my fun messages and then I look at entertainment news, like I got to know what's going on. Like Britney Spears is writing a book, you know, like I got to know these things. Um, and then, um, I do either a meditation. Sometimes I, you know, pick up a few pages of the book I'm reading. Cause that totally separates me from whatever I was doing that day. Another thing I've really started liking to do is coloring. And I have on my iPad, um, I know that sounds really fancy, but I have like a coloring book on my iPad, which I totally love because there's no like going to get all the different markers and making a mess with paper. It's just like literally digital coloring. It's like the best thing ever. Um, and those things really set me up to then when I go into bed and then I like to either read the Bible or pray a little bit, or just if you, you know, not into that, just do gratitude, get into bed and say all the things you're thankful for and start to tell yourself in the morning is when you're going to worry. And you don't think about for me, it's work at bedtime for you. It might be that family members or that fight, or it's just, it's not the time to tackle it when you get into bed. It's an inefficient use of your time. And it's only sabotaging your efforts to solve that problem during the day. That's a hard truth. <laughs> okay. I hope you guys are getting a lot of entertainment from this podcast because you can tell if, if you can't by the tone that I am trying to tell myself this because <laughs> I'm right there with you. All right. Tips for your room. Keep it cold, like super cold. So less than 65. If you can, you'll sleep better if it's cold, especially if you're a flasher, you're going to sleep better if it's cold. So you want a cold, dark room, blackout curtains all the way. And if, you know, also I think a little sound or a sound machine is really helpful. I have Alexa do this. You could do it on your cell phone. You can do it on like a multiple tons of different things. You already know not to look at your screens when you get in bed. In fact, you really shouldn't ever be laying in bed looking at screens. I know that's so laughable, but if you can try and set up a charger for your phone, not right next to your bed. If you can, okay, you've got to have a lot of self-discipline, not if your phone is being charged right next to your bed, not to look at it constantly. Or if you wake up in the middle of the night and then like, oh, what time is it? Oh, let me just check this app. Oh my gosh. I can't believe she said that. It's just like a downward spiral. So really try to have a stopping point where you don't use your phone. Like it's really nice to not use your phone for like at least eight to 10 hours. Like just try not to use it. I promise you'll be so freeing and nothing will happen. So try to keep your phone, you know, that that's not by you. So you can put your phone app on and charge it uh, by the other side of the room. So cold, I said dark, I said white noise, and then you've got to try to remove distractions. So distractions for most people are pets. Oh, I have a great Pyrenees lab mix and her name is Zoe. You've probably heard her barking in a lot of my older podcasts, definitely my YouTube videos. She's always around. Um, she doesn't understand social media, <laughs> but she jumps in my bed in the middle of the night all the time. She's this huge, like 90 pound dog. So it's like, not like you can miss it, but most pets want to know you to know they're jumping in their bed and they, they'll move your hand, try and get you to pet them. Kids. I know that one's tough, but and then there's partners that snore or kick and, you know, you've got to decide. And I, this is a podcasting is great because I don't, it's unlike, you know, putting out a post where the people write back to you. But so I can just say this in a vacuum. You've got to decide for yourself when it may be best to sleep in a different room. 
I've recommended this a lot and people always, you know, say a lot of the same things. Oh, my partner would be so upset or mad or disappointed or some kind of feeling. But it's the same idea as if your partner doesn't want the TV out of the room. You have to protect your sleep at all costs because it's going to make you better, your partnership better, like you healthier, so many things. And if your partner snores a lot or kicks you and keeps you awake, you have to decide when it's best to sleep in different quarters and the, you know, just physically sleeping, it could be, you know, like, um, whoever is maybe the better sleeper of the two, you know, gosh, right before I'm about to fall asleep, can you go to the guest room? you like, you can snuggle together. Um, but you just can't really actually fall asleep. Now, I think this is actually not hurt any marriages if it's ever come to this. Probably, it's probably helped. I actually don't know if there's research on this. And if any of you do, please DM me over on Instagram. I'm at hormone.health.doc. No, no. No, I changed my Instagram name. I can't even believe it. This is the first time I'm saying it out loud. I changed it to Heather Hirsch MD um, because that's my name across all other social media platforms. And as this book's coming out, I just wanted to make it a little bit easier. So anyways, you can Instagram DM me at Heather Hirsch MD. Um, if you know of studies about <laughs> partnerships or marriages lasting longer because of sleeping in separate quarters and getting better sleep, right? The idea isn't to sleep in separate quarters because of any other like marital issue. It's really primarily for, for sleep, a sleep benefit of staying asleep. If you wake up in the middle of the night, we've talked about that. I want you to get up, go to a different room and read a fiction book. That is the best thing to do. Do not turn on your phone. Worst case, you can watch TV because TV doesn't have the same either emission um, as the phone, like that screen, that light that burns your retina. You can feel it by the end of the day. TV doesn't do the same thing. And also the phone has no stopping point, has no stopping point. There's no cue to stop on your phone. Now, TV used to have stopping points before we had streaming services, but at least you know when an episode's over. You may still not want to like click it, click it off, but there are some stopping cues on a TV where there is no stopping cues on your phone. You know, as a part of your routine, also aromatherapy can be very helpful. So stimulating different senses. So also my, my husband has, um, this is a really funny story, this aromatherapy, like sleepy lotion that he got from Lush and <laughs> for whatever reason, he was a little like embarrassed to go into Lush and get it. So he, he made me go with him or I can't even remember now, or maybe I get it for like a holiday present or something, but he puts that on and he loves it and helps him fall asleep. So I hope those sleeping tips were a little helpful. I know sleeping is really hard for, for so many of us. And, you know, before we get to medications, if we need them, this was really a podcast to remind you that there are lifestyle things that you, that you can really do. My children and my dog are coming home. So you're going to start to hear them all in the background. Thank you guys so much for listening in. I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Bye everyone. If I haven't already done so, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Also, if you love the show, your stars or a quick review could really help other women who are searching for information on menopause and midlife around the globe find this show. If you want to work with me, consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. The link for that is in the description to this show. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all your support, and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode.